0: Uh, Again, welcome to Kalos Church. So glad you guys are here. We're here to make known the beauty of Jesus. This is our 12th week here as a church in a comedy club. No joke, and God is doing great things. You know, before I get into the message, I just want to take a moment and say I am so proud of what God is doing in this church and what God's doing through you. Yesterday, about 30 of us went to a women's shelter called the Sophia Way, and we, for three hours, we just deep cleaned. We got into every crevasse in that place, and we just cleaned, and then we decorated for Christmas, and we actually uh, heard from one of the board members and a couple other of the leaders that that was the largest group they had ever come for something. Like that. In our 12th week, we had the largest group coming and representing this women's shelter. Can we give it up for Jesus? Making known the beauty of Jesus, showing the love of God in a tangible way. And uh, I just want to thank you that we can be the hands and feet of Christ, that we can show God's love, that we can help women who are dealing with homelessness or domestic violence, and we can just say, hey, I know you're experiencing pain, but there's a group here that meets in a comedy club, and we have your back, and we love you, and we're willing to prove it with our time and energy. And I, I just want to say thank you guys so much for showing up. I'm proud of this church, aren't you? I mean, that's awesome. Can we give Jesus another round of applause for that? And. Uh, I want to let you know a couple announcements before we get into this brand new series called The Best Gift is that on December 24th, we're creating something called Christmas Eve, okay? Actually, we didn't create it, believe it or not. (laughs) But on Christmas Eve, we're going to try to have a big old event where we bring people here where they can get free family photos, where we can have a hot cocoa bar, we can do a candlelight ceremony with battery-powered candles. It's going to be powerful. And we, I just love Christmas. Who loves Christmas Eve? That, for me, even more than Christmas, I don't know what it is, but Christmas Eve was when my family, we'd open up presents and things like that and have a big meal at midnight, just Sri Lankan food everywhere, rice and curry, roti. I'm working up myself a hunger right now. Come on, i will preach all day. And so uh, on Christmas Eve, I want to see this place filled with people because did you know that 25% of visitors that come to church ever in the course of a year in a church come on Christmas Eve. So it is just a great chance to let people know, hey, Jesus loves you. We have a place for you. You are welcome here. And so I just encourage you. We already have 345 people say that they are interested in coming on Facebook. If that's not a move of God, I don't know what it is. So thank you so much. And um, also... Last announcement before I get into the message. On December 17th, we're starting a new tradition here at Kalos Church, where in this best gift series that I'm about to start in my first message here, we're going to take up a a big old offering, end of the year gifting. Uh, to say, Jesus, hey, we want to invest in what you're doing here at Kalos Church. So on December 17th, we have a goal here to raise in one offering $26,000, which sounds crazy, but we are a brand new church plant, and we've seen people be so generous. So many churches have blessed us, and now we want to be a blessing to the community and other churches. Amen? We don't just want to be selfish. We don't just want to be consumers, but we want to be contributors. So on December 17th, we've received this goal of raising $26,000, and so I want you to look on your chairs right now. There's a white piece of paper that kind of explains the different areas that this gift will go towards. We've had some unexpected um, opportunities, I'll call them, where uh, the parlor has asked that we double what we're paying for rent to be here, and it's already a steal of a deal, and they've already been so generous with us, but they they just are a business, and they're being real with us. Like, hey, we could... We need to double the amount of rent, and so that's not something we actually budgeted for as a church plant, but also we have great vision where we're launching small groups, and we're wanting to make our children's ministry even better. We're wanting to make our music ministry even better. We're wanting to make connections and operations and our tech. We just want to make known the beauty of Jesus, and so 2018, we as a launch team, we've been praying and fasting and seeking the Lord, and we've asked that you fill out surveys, and so we're just dreaming with ideas and we want to start off 2018 with great strength because there are a lot of people here in the Seattle area especially on the east side that need Jesus amen and so we want to make a difference and God has already taken us this far I remember our first meeting we had three people at it in a coffee shop and then our next meeting was five people and that was like crazy move of God and then we were thinking wow how are we going to start a church five people but then pretty soon More people started giving and contributing, and it grew to 65 people at our house, and 50 people said, we want to join the volunteer team. And then eventually our first service was 234 people on September 17th, 12 weeks ago. And we believe that this thing is just a baby. And we want to start off 2018 with great strength because there are people who need Jesus. Amen. And so I would just ask you, not in a weird pressury church church-wants-your-money kind of way, that's not our heart, but we're saying we want to reach people. And so on these pieces of paper, we just ask that you would, with your family, take that and just pray over the next three weeks, Lord, what would you have me give? We're not going to ask you to give, but what we'll ask is, would you ask the Lord what he would have you give, so that we can not just start off with a limp, but with strength in 2018. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to get into this message. We're starting a brand new series called The Best Gift. And we're in a season right now in the church called Advent. Everyone say Advent. Advent comes from the the Latin word which means arrival. And we're literally right now in a season where we're waiting for Jesus to come. Sweet baby Jesus, six pound, eight ounce Jesus to come on Christmas to be born in the world. Christmas is all about Christ, Jesus, God with us. God became a little baby and dwelt among us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. So Jesus is the reason For the season. And we're going to keep Christ in Christ mass. Come on, somebody. And so we celebrate Jesus. Anybody with me? David Younger, you're with me. You're clapping back there. So Jesus is what we're celebrating. And in Advent, we're literally looking forward to the arrival of Jesus. And we're on this side of Christmas. Christmas, the birth of Jesus has happened. But we as a community are saying, Jesus, we await your arrival. Where all things will be made right again. Lord, where heaven and earth. Earth. Heaven will invade earth. We're waiting your arrival where the depression and suicidal tendencies in Bellevue will be no more because people will have Jesus and the lost will be found and the broken will be healed and those in bondage would be set free. We're all waiting the arrival of Jesus. And so that's what this Advent season represents. And a, a picture of an Advent, if you need this, is... Uh, when I was growing up, we would have this Christmas, Christmas presents, and we were able to open one Christmas present on Christmas Eve. Anybody with me? And uh, before that, though, my mom, she said, hey, I know you're excited for the arrival of your present. I know you're excited to see what you've gotten, but we're not going to let you open up your presents early. You've got to wait until Christmas Eve and Christmas. But she said, you can pick it up, and you can kind of weigh it and be a little detective. You can shake it to see what it is. And she said, if you're really good, I'll let you take a hole about the size of a quarter, and you can open up a little piece of your wrapping paper to see what's in there. But we were filled with great anticipation and longing, and that is the spirit of Advent. What am I going to get? What am I going to see? Where are you, Jesus? We're longing for you. We're looking for you. And so we are excited for Christmas. Am I right? Anybody excited for Christmas here? This is not a rhetorical question. Anybody excited for Christmas this year? Oh, yes. And so I want to read a passage that represents The spirit of Advent, and it comes from Luke two. I'm going to read 25 through 33, and it's about a man named Simeon. It says this: At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Everyone say "Simeon." Simeon. Powerful. He was righteous and devout, and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day. The Lord, the, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Dear Father, I pray that you would bless the word for our hearing, and that we would be doers of the word today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So there's this man named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he had heard from the Lord, which was pretty amazing because Scripture says that there was almost a drought of hearing the word of the Lord. There had been centuries before people had felt like they received a message from the Lord in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And now Israel, which was occupied by Roman government, they were longing for a Messiah to rescue them to free them from their oppression. They're waiting for a savior to literally save them from those who would hold them under control as slaves and bondage and This man named Simeon got a word from the Lord that he was going to see sweet baby Jesus and that he would not die until he saw Jesus. And this man, righteous and devout, he held on to this word for many, many years. Some people, some church historians would say he was 88 years old before he saw this promise fulfilled other historians would say that Simeon was a man that was actually part of writing the Greek Septuagint, translating the Old Testament into Greek, and so he was potentially nearly 200 years old. The fact that I'm trying to communicate is this man was old, and he was waiting for a promise, and I really can relate to this because there are times where we get a word from the Lord, just like Simeon did, and we feel like we have a promise, or we feel like We are meant to do great things on the earth, or we have a dream in our hearts, or we have something we're looking for or longing for. But a lot of times when we get a word from the Lord, we have to wait. Or sometimes when we feel like we have a promise from the Lord, we have to have patience. And there are a lot of people in this room today, and I realize that many of you have dreams, hopes, ambitions. I'm going to get married one day. I'm going to start a business one day. Maybe I'll be a pastor. Maybe I'll have my own family. I'll have a kid. Or one day I'll be debt free. Or one day I'm not going to be sick anymore. I'm believing God that I'm going to find healing. And there are these things. Maybe they're promises. Maybe they're hopes. They're desires in our house. But we find with that word in our heart, we find we have to wait. And with that promise in our heart, we find we have to have patience. And what I want to talk about today is, what do we do in those times? And is there a purpose for waiting? What do we do when we're waiting in the spirit of Advent? And this man, Simeon, he stayed faithful to the word God had given him. And he stayed attentive, listening. Is God going to speak to me? Is God going to reveal it to me today? And finally, his time came. And the spirit of the Lord, after years, said, hey, go to the temple today. You're going to meet Jesus, this promise for your life is going to be fulfilled. And he takes this baby and he says, today my eyes have seen salvation for all nations. And I love this because he talks about Jesus, how Jesus is for everyone. Jesus isn't just for one nation, for a certain people. Jesus isn't just for a certain holy people or people who have it all together or people who know the right words and know how to have it right in place. But Jesus is for all nations. He's a light in our darkness. Jesus is the hope of the world. Aren't you glad we have a Jesus who is for all people and who brings salvation for all people? He isn't just for black people. He isn't just for white people. He isn't just for brown people. He is for all people. Jesus is the hope of the world. And that's what we long for in this Christmas season. And Simeon, when he looks at this little sweet baby, I can't emphasize that enough. Six pounds, eight ounces. He sees this just little pound of flesh, but he sees more than that. He's celebrating this promise fulfilled, but he also has anticipation in his heart that this baby is salvation for every single person. This baby is a reason for all of us to have hope. Simeon saw the potential, saw the reality, saw what God had in store. But what are you doing with your waiting season, your longing season? I want to talk to you that God is working while you're waiting and I pray that this message encourages you today that you would trust that God will be faithful in your life, that God has not forgotten you. You know there are times when we get really impatient when is my Amazon package coming? It's been an hour and a half and I still haven't gotten it. Where are you, Lord? Why have you forsaken me? Where are my Bluetooth speakers? I need a now. I'm still listening to my phone with a cord. Why have you forsaken me? Amazon. There a time where, I wanna tell this story right. I'm gonna talk about my wife here. When we first met, Man, she fell in love with me. She couldn't get enough of my sweet curls, my mocha skin, my great smile, she says, my nice figure. She fell for me. Is that true or false? It's true. She hesitantly says. And we were really becoming great friends, great friends. And as we grew closer and closer and closer, we really, we fell in like for each other. And then we fell in love for each other. And she was really longing that I would finally ask her to be my girlfriend. Because it's like that in-between phase, you know? Like, what are we? Like, I don't just want to Netflix and chill anymore. Like, can I get a title? Like, what are we doing? We weren't Netflix and <laughs> chilling. It didn't exist back then. This was over 10 years ago. And she's like, what are we? What are we doing? And there was a, a longing in her heart that she would receive the sweet embrace of Pradeepin. We've all been there. It's a weird environment in this room right now. (laughs) I like it. I kind of like this vibe right now. It's weird. And so (laughs) she's wondering, when is this going to happen? And she knew, I really like to be the one who pursues. And she felt like she really wanted to be pursued as well. But in that time, she grew impatient and grew impatient. I really want this man to do something. Take initiative. Go for it. And so she talked to one of my friends, and he said, hey, don't wait anymore. You need to make it happen. I know Pradeepin likes to pursue. I know he probably is developing this extravagant plan, but you just need to go for it. You need to corner him, talk to him, and just make it happen. And so she did that. And one day in Starbucks, she said, or in a parking lot in Starbucks, she said, hey, Pradeepan, hey, I just need clarity. Like, do you like me? And I was like, uh, like a girlfriend? (laughs) And uh, I was really shocked at this question because she did not know that for the past couple of months, I would gathered a group of friends for a crew that we called Operation Girlfriend, okay? So I had a plan to give her the most extravagant night of her life. And I, oh my goodness, this was in Colorado Springs. I'm telling you what, I had seven stations around the city some in the mountains, some in the city. Each one had a table with a parchment letter with a bed of roses and rose petals. I had a party planned with like 50 people from the church, including the pastors, with a camera team that was gonna film her on how she ended up being my girlfriend. I had jewelry prepared for her. I had secret photographers following us around at each station. I had a chauffeur for her. Oh my goodness, I had this extravagant plan It was like three weeks before I was gonna unleash everything she's ever longed for in her entire life. It was gonna be amazing. But here we are in the parking lot of Starbucks. And she's like, "Uh, do you like me? And so I I do what any man of God would do. I lied to her, right to her face. I said, I don't like you. She's like, I just need clarity. You want clarity? You're not the one. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. Amritha's preaching next week, and so she'll be able to tell the real story from her perspective, (laughs) just so you know. But I I lied to her, and then later on, like, I took her on this date, and it was super extravagant, and I had to apologize to her. I'm sorry I lied, but I, I had this great plan for you, and... In that moment, she regretted, oh man, if I only would have waited three weeks, it would have just been fine, but I was so impatient, and pretty. You were you were leading me on, you weren't treating me like the other girls, and so how could I help but not wonder? I had to know, I had to ask. And many times in our lives, when we're growing impatient with a dream or a desire or a word from the Lord or a calling, we grow impatient. You know, we want to get married, but we start just making decisions out of impatience. Most of the sins probably as Americans that we deal with have a lot to do with impatience and pride, like debt. I I want this house now, I want this car now. And so we just get more and more in debt or just bad relationship decisions. And we just, we jump the gun, we do things before the timing is right. And there's this lesson that I wanna communicate today that your waiting is not wasted and God is working while you're waiting. And it is hard to wait But even harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had. Let me say that again. Even harder than waiting on God to do what you've always knew he was going to do, Even harder than waiting on God and going through that awkward, dark night of the soul, those longings, and, oh, when is this going to happen? Even harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had, when you see the true plan fulfilled, when you see how good things can really be, when you know that Pradeepin is going to be asking you to be a girlfriend that night. I should have (laughs) waited. I should have waited. I have a feeling we're going to have to have a talk after this sermon. (laughs) And just so you know, I asked her for permission before telling this story. So don't think I'm a bad husband. I feel your judgment. I feel your peering eyes. (laughs) And so in waiting, God doesn't waste this. It's actually super important for us to wait. And I just want to communicate three simple things that when we wait, waiting gives us an opportunity to trust God. Waiting shapes who we are as people. And waiting increases joy in our lives. It's a really difficult thing, but I believe that it produces so much. Another quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it's powerful, it says this, Waiting is an art that our impatient age has forgotten. It wants to break open the ripe fruit when it has hardly finished planting the shoot. But all too often, the greedy eyes are only deceived. The fruit that seems so precious is still green on the inside. And disrespected hands ungratefully toss aside what has so disappointed them. Man, Aristotle, he says this. Patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. Amen, Omritha. Let's give it up to Jesus. (laughs) I like this vibe. It doesn't scare me. (laughs) So waiting reveals your trust. It reveals your trust. Another quote by Charles Stanley says this, our willingness to wait reveals the value we place on the object we are waiting for. You know, believe it or not, God's timing is not always our timing. It's not always our time. And he sees things from a much bigger perspective. You know, it's crazy. Did you know that Jesus did not start his ministry until he was 30 years old? I mean, that's crazy to think we're celebrating God became a baby, God in human skin, God with us, Emmanuel. And so all of humanity has been longing for this Messiah like Simeon. Jesus, we're looking for you. We're waiting for you. We're longing for you. And God is waiting for the fullness of time for Jesus to come on earth. And so after thousands of years, after sin had come to the earth, finally the hope of the world's salvation has come. And what does Jesus do? I'm going to wait for 30 years. What? That is a crazy thing. I mean, at... At one years old, Jesus was still God. At 10 years old, Jesus was still God. 25-year-old, Jesus was still God. But he waits until he was 30 years old to start his earthly ministry as Jesus. That is so crazy. Many of us, we feel like, God, what is happening? Like, why am I waiting? I- I'm willing to do whatever you want. I'm waiting for healing. I'm waiting to walk in my destiny. Like, what are you doing? and we're we're sometimes like little kids where you know have you ever told a kid to s- sit still and you're like hey sit still and they're like and they just they just get twitchy in their chair and you're like sit still they're like okay okay mm. they just they have to move and I can't help but wonder if, like, Jesus knowing, like, I'm on this earth to save all of humanity, so what am I going to do for the first 30 years? I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to sit still. And throughout the Bible, there's so many characters that had to wait. In fact, you know, Joseph... In the Bible, he waited 13 years. Another character in the Bible, Abraham, he waited 25 years to see a promise fulfilled. Moses waited 40 years. Jesus waited 30 years. If God is making you wait, you are in good company. Amen? But it's hard sometimes to sit like a child, yet Simeon held on to this word from God, and he revealed, hey, Jesus is coming, and I trust God's word. I'm not going to trust in my own strength to make things happen. I'm not going to believe that God has abandoned me just because I'm in a time of darkness or silent. And this is a valuable time. It's a gift that waiting shows that maybe we're trusting in the wrong things. Because if we trust in other things, they will disappoint us. But trusting Jesus is a gift. It's the best gift. And we know that God is faithful to deliver his word, but sometimes it doesn't always feel like that. And yet in the Bible, Simeon trusted and waited and let it be known that I trust in Jesus and I will not give up. My question for you today is, will you trust in your own strength or will you trust God in times that require patience? Will you trust in yourself to make things happen Or will you trust that God is working while you're waiting? Another thing that waiting does is waiting shapes you. You know, there's a difference between passive waiting and active waiting. How we wait many times determines how long we wait. How we wait determines how long we wait. You know, uh, I want to I wanna break on the Snyders back there. Snyders, can you raise your hands real quick? Uh, Zach was drumming, Becca was singing like an angel. And uh, they went through a season where they were living in Michigan. They actually grew up in Michigan their whole entire lives. And uh, like they were amazing. Becca was a worship leader back in Michigan. She was working with graphic design. Her whole family was there. Zach worked for GM. He was designing Corvettes. If you see the latest Corvette that was just released, Zach basically designed the whole thing. <laughs> he designed a lot of it. And they were in this time where they were living the American dream, but the Lord spoke to them. And he said, hey, I want you to move your lives from Michigan and go to Bellevue and start a church with some brown people (laughs) they're like yes lord i will follow these brown servants (laughs) and so they they got this word from the lord they realized like we're going to need a miracle to financially be able to, to move here and get a job. and You know, housing. Michigan is not as expensive as Bellevue, so this was a big stretch of faith, a big testing. And so they, they get this word from the Lord. They talk with Pastor Amritha and I, and they say, hey, we really feel like the Lord has called us to help you start this church called Kalos Church, but we, we don't know how we're going to get there. We're going to need a job, so can you help us? Can you help us with a resume? Can you help us apply for work? Can you just help us get out there? And we're like, yeah we'll pray for you, we'll help you in practical ways, we'll believe in you, and suddenly, like, well, not suddenly, but uh, a bunch of people around them were getting jobs here in Bellevue, and they're moving out here, and they're one of the first people to tell us that they wanted to come out here, but they, they didn't get here until a month before services started, where they saw their friends, their family out here, and they're thinking, like, God, you promised me, you gave me a word that I would start this church, and I'm willing to follow you, Lord. Like, I'm willing to give up this job uh, designing Corvettes. I'm willing to give up my family, and Lord, you've spoken to me. I'll do it, but would you make something happen? Like, I need a job in Bellevue, and it felt like they were applying for job after job after job and just not getting a response, and uh, as everybody left, I just remember talking to the Snyders, Amritha and I, and they're like, man, this is really hard, like, I just wish I had a clear, like, don't go, or God is going to make this happen, and, and I remember Zach specifically said, this, this time, I, I've been tempted to just kind of give up on this, and check out on this, like, I'm questioning this, I'm doubting myself, but at the same time, I, I'm choosing right now to seek the Lord, and so I'm, I'm praying and fasting, and after a week of that, and after a month of that, the Snyder's are like, wow, This time of seeking the Lord and trusting in him in this ambiguous, awkward stage, it has shaped me. Like, I've never prayed as hard as I've ever prayed before. Like, I've never sought Jesus as hard as I've sought Jesus. It's this time of waiting. It's this time of not knowing. It's this time of not being able to control everything where I'm realizing I can't trust in my own strength. It's not working. I have to trust God, and this is revolutionizing my relationship with Jesus. It's revolutionizing who I am as a follower of God. And even though I I hate this time, I love this time because it's shaping me to trust in God. And they came here um, like a month before we started services and we're so glad you're here. But I I think the story is just an example that waiting can be a precious time where it teaches us to lean on God. It teaches us to trust in God. It teaches us to say, hey, God, I'm gonna believe that you're faithful, but I'm not just gonna be a, a passive person. I'm gonna lean into you, Jesus. I'm going to do what I can, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to seek you, I'm going to pray, I'm going to hope, I'm going to love, I'm going to have a great attitude while I'm waiting. And God was faithful to bring them here to Bellevue. Aren't you guys thankful that God brought the Snyders here to Bellevue to help us start a Church in a Comedy Club? Come on, you can clap a little bit louder than that. It's just, it's just amazing to see how God has used them already. But it is hard. Sometimes we just want to sit back and say, all right, God, you haven't done this, so I'm just, I give up. I'm not going to believe anymore. I'm not going to hope anymore. Your waiting, how you wait, can determine how long you wait because Jesus wants to shape you more than he wants to shape some grand plan for the world. He cares about the process. He cares about what's going on in your heart. He cares about how are you doing. In your time of waiting, make sure it's a time that shapes you as much as it's time passing. Because how you wait determines how long you wait. Another thing that waiting does is waiting increases your joy. C.S. Lewis says this, I am sure that God keeps no one waiting unless he sees that it is good for him to wait. You know, Jesus, I think Simeon could say this, he's waiting his life. The scripture says that he will not die until he sees Jesus. And he's like, got to be wondering, Jesus, where are you? When is this going to happen? But when he finally sees Jesus, when he, he realizes, oh, staying and hoping and looking for Jesus, when he sees the plan of salvation, when he sees hope of all nations, I can't help but think Simeon says, Jesus, you are worth the wait. Jesus, you are worth the wait. I can't help but wonder, and know that Amritha is thinking, Pradeepan, you are worth the wait. Because when we wait and we finally get it, that joy is so increased. Have you ever wondered why food when you're camping tastes so good? Who's ever wondered that? Because when you have to wait for something and work for something, you just appreciate it a lot more. And hey, ladies, let me just speak to you. If you're like trying to get your worth from a man, and you think you have to give up something to get his attention or to earn his relationship, I wanna let you know that you are worth the wait. You don't have to give yourself so easily. You can believe in yourself because you are a daughter of Jesus Christ. You are worth the wait. I am so sick of people just having so much of you know, just self-worth issues where they just feel like I'm worthless, so I just have to appease someone or I have to give it up to someone. But you are worth the wait. Come on, somebody. And Jesus is worth the wait as well. And the things that we wait for, when we finally see them fulfilled, it's so wonderful. You know, this church plant, you know, we're 12 weeks into this, but I've been waiting over 10 years to see this dream fulfilled. I wrote my senior paper in 2007 about church planning, 10 years ago. And I thought I would graduate college, and I would come out, you know, and I would just come out swinging, and I would start this church, and it would be awesome. And so many people would come to know the Lord. And when I graduated college, I'm praying, Lord, where do you want me to plant a church? I'll go to the nations. I'll go to any country. I'll go, I'll go to Holland. I'll go anywhere you want me to go, Lord. Where do you want me? And uh, I felt like the Lord said, no, wait serve. Go to another church. Help them out. Serve another person's vision before you ask anybody to serve your vision. And I was like, Lord, no! Lord, I'm a man of God. I've got a great calling. Like, Lord, you, trust me, you really want me to preach, Lord. Just trust me on this. He was like, no, wait, wait, wait. And I was like, ah. Oh. And then two years go by, four years go by. I'm like, Lord, should I church plant now? Wait serve someone else. Oh, Lord, this sucks. Like, I don't, I want, I'm so eager to serve you, Lord. Like, Lord, here I am. You want someone to do your will? Like, here I am. And then finally, after 10 years, I feel like with praying with Maritha, we feel like this is the time. And you know, we're celebrating all that God's doing at Kalos, but I I just want to let you know, not only is there celebration in these last 12 weeks, there's great anticipation You know, Jesus is so worth the wait and I believe that As we've waited for 10 years to see Kalos come into fruition, I believe that Jesus is worth the wait. I I just really see this room even getting more and more filled with people's lives that are being changed. New beginnings. People who are lost. People who are lonely and they've found community. People who are depressed and suicidal and they've found purpose. People who are addicted to all sorts of drugs and sicknesses and issues. And they find freedom in Jesus. Just like Simeon. I am you know, seeing this baby, but I also see the vision that there's going to be salvation for all of Bellevue. That we are just at the beginning of what God is doing in this place. How many of you guys agree with me? That this might be in the 12-week infancy, but Jesus is going to bring hope to the, all the nations here in Bellevue. That we are part of something greater than ourselves. That this isn't just built on the talents of few, but the sacrifices of many as the body of Christ. And I truly believe that Jesus is worth the wait. And Simeon spent his life pursuing Jesus. Maybe Jesus is gonna show up today. Maybe Jesus is gonna show up today. Maybe Jesus is gonna show up today. And I think our heart is the same here at Kalos. Maybe Jesus is gonna show up in a greater and greater way in my, in my wife's life, in my husband's life. Maybe Jesus is gonna show up in my boss's life. Maybe Jesus is gonna show up in my children's life. Maybe he's gonna come through. Maybe he's gonna really finally be received as salvation to all nations. And really, that's why we talked about at the beginning how On December 17th in three weeks we're we're trying to raise $26,000 so that we can start off with a sprint not because we're desperate but because we have great vision that Jesus is going to show up in Bellevue and I am hungry to see light shine in the darkness and in this Advent season my heart I believe our hearts long for Jesus Jesus would you come Jesus would you fulfill these promises Jesus, would you use me? But even if I have to wait, Jesus, I will trust you because I know that while I'm waiting, God, you are working. While I'm waiting, you are working. And I don't want to short-circuit this. I don't want to jump the gun because I realize like even worse or even harder than waiting for God is wishing that we had. And so quit practically today, and band, you guys can come up. I, I, I just want to ask you, are you in a period of waiting? Are you in a period where you, you have some sort of hope, but it's not happening, and you're, you're finding that your heart is sick because this promise isn't coming true? Your heart is sick because this hope isn't coming true? We can learn from Simeon in the season of Advent that Jesus is worth the wait, that God is faithful And the word he speaks to us will come true. The promises, though they require patience, they will come true. Have you given up on God? Have you given up on hope? Have you given up on the plan? Have you given up on belief that there's a bigger picture? I just want to challenge you today. Will you trust that God is working while you're waiting? Will you trust that God has a plan for you? Isaiah 26 six eight says this, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. Hebrews 10, 32 through 36 says this, Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken away from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised while we are waiting God is working let's bow our heads dear father we thank you for this word and I pray that in this advent season of waiting like waiting for our our Christmas gifts waiting for Jesus to come Lord we know that you have not forgotten us that you have not forgotten us but Emmanuel God you are with us that you are working while we are waiting. And Lord, we're sorry if we've given up, that you have a plan for us or a hope for us. We're sorry, Lord. And I just pray that right now that you would stir our hearts again to believe that we're not made by mistake, to believe that you have a plan for us. Oh, Jesus, I pray that we wouldn't give up on you. Like Simeon Jesus, we eagerly wait for you, Jesus. We eagerly wait for you to show up in our health, We eagerly wait for you to show up in our finances. We eagerly wait for you to show up in our families, in our romance. We eagerly for you to show up in our work, in our jobs, in our dreams, in our ambitions, in our desires. Lord, we trust you in this moment. We trust you in this moment. You know, you guys, Jesus brings salvation to all nations. And uh, he's amazing. He's worthy, he's lovely. And uh, I'm not naive, I realize that there are people in this room, maybe you aren't living for Jesus, you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you used to be, but for some reason you're not right now. But I just wanna let you know that Jesus is the true hope of the world. His true salvation, our, our jobs and our money, that's not gonna save us. Distracting ourselves, that's not gonna save us. That, that pain and that longing for something greater, that, that pain and that longing for a place to belong or, or something to believe in, a something to fill in that gap in our heart, that longing is for Jesus. And Jesus is worth the wait. Jesus is everything. When he comes, it's like nothing else. And, If you're not living for Jesus, if you haven't experienced that that fresh start, that forgiveness, in this moment, I I just want to encourage you to make the greatest decision to open yourselves up to Jesus and say, Jesus, have my life. Take control. I need you. I can't live for myself anymore. I can't live by my own rules anymore. But right now, I'm choosing to, to trust in you, and I open my heart. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes right now. If that's you in this place and you say, Pastor And if you're saying, Pastor Pradeepin, please pray for me. I want, I want to receive that forgiveness. I want to receive that fresh start. I, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want Jesus to show up in my life. If that's you in this place, on the count of three, raise your hand boldly and put it down because I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Just lift up your hand boldly and put it down so I can see it. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. It's not too late. If you're saying, ah, Jesus, would you show up in my life? Just raise your hand right now so I can see it. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Well, let's let's pray this prayer together. And you guys, I'm going to put these words on the screen. This isn't a, a magic spell or anything like that that guarantees anything, but it's a... Maybe it's, it's some words to help us articulate what we're feeling in this place. And let's just read this all together. It's a prayer saying, Jesus, I need you, I want you. So let's pray this all together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Let's say it together. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. (laughs) Let's give it up to Jesus in this place. A fresh start, a new beginning. You know what? Jesus wants you.